This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. Well, it's a great privilege for me to be sitting here with Joel Morris, Dr. Joel Morris. Hello, thank you very doing? much. Good. Excellent. It's good to be here. And Joel, you are the executive director of Union. Of Union. Yeah. And uh, you're also an electric guitar player. <laughs> yes. Father of children, husband of one, uh-huh. and and also <laughs> author of books. Yeah. Yeah. Who and, knew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you always lived in South Wales? No. I lived for two years on, on a ship uh, that sailed around. We went from Portugal to, to the Caribbean and then around South Central America um, with OM, the, oh, wow. the Logos 2 ship. That was a great time in my life. Mm. Wonderful, though. I mean, the experiences that, that you have. And as a young man, learning how to weld, learning how to fix engines, you know, being in storms, <laughs> being tossed around in the ocean with seasoned sailors and engineers. I learned a lot of engineering when I was on the ship. Mm. And so that's my background, that's my my uh, my education. And, and I actually was able to see in the engine room, see everything was huge so I could I could break it down and, and understand how it worked. And after I left the ship I, I went back to university, did a did a master's in power generation and aerospace. I went on to do a doctorate in steel technology with, with Tata, um working on a new kind of steel for Porsche. And then ended up going to South Korea postdoc in, in Seoul National University in nuclear engineering. Good gracious. But it all sort of the ship really helped me understand engineering concepts. It was just a rich time of you know, of learning and uh, hands on practical experience. Oh dear, you know, the engine's blown up. We need to fix it quick. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. Wow. And and were the crew believers as well? Oh yeah. I mean, six, seven. There's only about seven actual legit professionals that are sort of managing the ship. The rest of us are just missionaries and and young people. And mm. yeah, but it's great fun. And it's the Lord really works. You know, I've seen the Lord really work through it and bring evangelism to a whole you know a whole town bring churches together with, with events and, yeah, people being saved. Mm. I mean, OM's great. I mean, George Verwer, mm. still going, mm. greatly loved. Oh, he's been an extraordinary example in our time, hasn't he? Mm. Wow. So you were there. What's it like being in a storm in a, on a ship at <laughs> sea? You've got to make sure you, I mean, it's very, obviously, it's challenging mentally, and the trick is not to eat too much and not to, not to leave your stomach empty. And also, you've just got to be very mentally strong. And um, so I remember we were sitting across the Atlantic, and pretty much everybody was on their faces or kind of throwing up. Um, and so it was really only two, three or four guys maybe that were running the whole ship, a ship of 200 people. And it was like you're in a washing machine. You go in all directions, you know, left and right, up and down. And I remember looking down, um, as I, I had to sort of go outside of the ship and do my rounds and hold on to the handrail with for dear life at places. But I remember looking down towards the bridge and seeing the captain steering the ship. It's big, I mean, he's passed away now. Uh, this big guy from the Faroe Islands and hardened fisherman. And he had his one foot on the floor, one foot on the wall, steering the ship you know, through this storm. And it was just something else. Um, but a great, a great feeling of adventure and keeping everything running. So, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the engine room. Wow. So I was quite... Quite pale. 
<laughs> We'd escape now and then. <laughs> wow, what an experience. And now you are at Union. Now, can you tell mm. us a little about Union? I was involved in the branding, and that's where you and I met. Yeah. At the uh, actual meetings, we were discussing what this is going to look like, This was what it's going to be. Mm. And that's where I first became thrilled with the potential mm. of uh, a Bible-teaching seminary where you don't have to go away. You can be taught mm. by great Christ-centered gospel-establishing teachers mm. in your home church. And I always say, as uh, Michael used to say, Michael Reeves used to say, it's a Gutenberg moment. Yeah. Like when Gutenberg invented the printing press and suddenly books can be transmitted mm. at a fraction of the original, of the earlier cost. Yeah. Now we have the opportunity through the internet. Well, let's use it. And that was a thrilling thing. So uh, what can you tell us about Union, which I haven't just said? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for us, it was it was a kind of a Gutenberg moment, really hitting hitting it where technology was just becoming available with with Zoom and with the cloud that we use, the, the, the learning environment, online resources, e-books. Uh, so a lot of these te technological advancements really becoming more readily available financially, I remember going to um, to Phoenix Seminary and and looking at their setup, and how much money they'd spent, you know, kitting out their room and and using a similar kind of system to us, a bit more of a uh, an automated thing. But I mean, I I was gobsmacked at the, at the money, and then a few years later, I mean, just how how much more accessible, how mm. cheaper the it was to buy this this equipment and yes. technology, and, and and we've built a lot of stuff ourselves from the ground up and. God's given us some really talented people with software and hardware, and, and we've just learned how to do things, you know, mm -hmm. ourselves, figured it out. We've really shaped it around the the need. It's sort of a blended kind of thing. You know, we want to leverage the, the community in, in the local church and elders and pastors who have a heart to train and to equip their people. And so it really is a union of the academy and the church together raising up leaders rather than us saying here's a product you know take it or leave it or um we'll come in and do everything for you we we wanted to do to shape something around the church that was useful that we would do together with with pastors with with elders for their people and that's really been a huge part of our model um another thing that we brought alongside that then Again, sensing the need of churches wanting to plant out, particularly people who'd done this sort of training at the learning community, a lot of them started to plant churches. And so we were able to find funding for them to present projects to our donors. And because of the confidence that they have in us, yeah, I mean, they've really backed pretty much every project that we've, you know, we've put under their noses from our students, from our graduates. And so those learning communities are becoming church planting hubs. So for example, in Rome with Leonardo, in Athens um, with the Greek Bible College there, they're good examples where they've had multiple plants being launched out from MTH graduates, graduate diploma graduates, who've had funding to help them plant out and, and grow vibrant churches in their cities. And so we've not taken them from where they are. They get to stay in ministry, get training at a lower cost, and then launch out and plant, plant a church. Mm. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's it's great to see the the model work because mm. obviously you come up with the idea and then to actually see it, and it's, I think we've supported something like 130 church plants. Good gracious! Over a million pounds have passed through our, our accounts, you know, from donors to to the projects, and we we do due diligence as well on on each project, 
Um, we try to get them to report and what how it's going. In many cases, one of our partners, Sarang Church in Seoul, has, have sent short-term mission teams to the church plant. They've they, they pray for the plants. Mm. They they've got like a thousand small groups that that pray for for us and for wow. for the church plant. So yeah, it's an incredible thing all the way over in in South Korea. Extraordinary. This collaboration is outstanding. It's yeah. really uh it's a, it's a beautiful thing in our time. And I think, um, I don't know if you're as slightly, maybe not quite as old as me, but this idea of... Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> the idea of collaboration in, in gospel-centered, mission-minded uh, ministry like this mm. is really a precious and a wonderful thing. And it's outstanding and wonderful to see it happen. We've got Michael Reeves involved. Michael Haken is now becoming involved. Yes. Dustin Benj, yeah. uh, Robert Letham. It's, mm. These people are people who are, gonna, who are really going to help you. Yeah. Apart from Jolly Robert Letham, who I was doing a Jolly book launch for him in London. He got ill on the day. Uh, yeah, he's always getting ill. He's <laughs> age now. No, he's, he's, he's great. He taught us around campus, you know. Yeah. Well, um, lives on campus with us. One day, one day, Robert Letham, one day. <laughs> we'll get him here. <laughs> I'll deliver him myself. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Now, you have just written this book. Mm. You originally, uh, one thing which thrills me about the um, the approach with which you've come was uh, your first book. Well, I don't know if it was your first book. Was was Revolutionary God your first book? Yes. Now, the, the ambition you had for that book was so similar to ours, wherein you were not just interested in history for its own sake. You were trying to say, look, these people were the revolutionaries of their time. These people changed the world. Yeah. You see, what you were getting was what mm. we love to trumpet, which is this. History hasn't finished. Right. And we're still living in it. Yeah. And the, we're told in the Bible, look at those who went before you. you know, mm. Consider the outcome of their faith and imitate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, what, 500 years of Reformation. I mean, it's not, it's not over. Yeah, well, this is it. Yeah. And you wrote Revolutionary God at that time. Mm. And now you've written this new book, yep. which is about generosity, which was something of which you have seen fruits and examples of, the mm. name of the book being Big Hearted. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was really a response to a need I felt to pastor and to disciple our donors, people that were supporting Union, first first and foremost, getting into their lives, you know, go, meeting them, sometimes, you know, being in their homes, and they they'd open their lives and and share. And um, I just felt, who's discipling you to give generously? Um, and I felt a lack of theology. I felt mm. a lack of understanding of for the theology of it. Wow. And also people in my own church. And I thought, well, this could be handy for pastors to teach their congregations the theology of, of generosity. Um, I'm involved w with Union Mission and the church planting funding. I've been involved in quite a few donor networks and, and donor platforms, um, set, help set up some as well. And, and there's a, a kind of a movement around that, a generosity movement, generosity path and others, um, and European donor gatherings that I've seen spring up, which is wonderful to see indigenous donors springing up in places like Romania and, and Czech Republic who are funding gospel ministry rather than looking to America or the UK for financial help. Mm. God is raising up donors, you know, in those countries now that, oh. you know, are really giving a lot of money to, to help fuel church growth and ministry. So that's wonderful. But again, I, I felt we weren't really getting to the heart of, of it, what, the why, the motivation, the real motivation, why, why you should give. So very practical, very biblical. We should give because Jesus tells us to. It's in the Bible. It's a good thing to do. 
but I, it, for me, it still wasn't drilling into the, you know, to in, into the theology and into mm. the why. Mm. And so that's really why I, I wanted to do something on on generosity to, to drill into the theology, to drill into why all Christians should be cheerfully generous, should be overflowing mm. with love, overflowing with generosity, and challenging our view of money that we're stewards of these resources that God gives us, rather than holding on to it and, mm. and hoarding. We're we're just we're giving out. We're blessing. We're mm. overflowing, as God is giving of Himself. He gives Himself. Amen. He, he overflows with love and life, um, and because we love Him, we receive from Him. We overflow with love and life, and we we pour ourselves. We give of you know we give ourselves as well, and we give what we have cheerfully and as unto the Lord. Because mm. we're, we're it's not really ours anyway, is it? We kind of you know we bind the lie of the world that you know we oh I, I made this this is mine i own it and, mm. and we cling to it and it it we we become owned by wealth and by our mm. property and we become slate and I, I see you know you see it as you travel around in different contexts how how people become enslaved by their lifestyle and 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 their their wealth and and suddenly they have no just you know n- nothing to give away or very little to give away mm. because they they need to spend a lot to maintain, you know, their particular lifestyle or whatever. Mm. And so, yeah, it's it, it, there's a and I just I loved getting into Jonathan Edwards mm. on on stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I've got another another book coming out in August. Right, I took from his works a lovely section on on stewardship and and just edited it and put some bits and pieces into it. And that again, that was just a wonderful different. Christian worldview, mm. all around stewardship, kind of God, God's economy as Christians, Amen. how yes. we, how we should view the world and and money and and uh, yeah, and wealth, um, yeah, very interesting stuff. I, I just love, yeah, I love Edwards, some great old stories, gospel patrons, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, talking to some Simon Pilar, and uh, and others around the gospel patrons network, just just great to to read those stories and. And I just felt, you know, we've we've lost something today. We've lost something in the church. The right, the right view of money and of work and business and the economy. We need to get back to the pre-Victorian, Puritan, mm. Reformational view of the world. That mm. it's, it it permeates all of life, doesn't it? That's right. You know, this is right. Um, I was fascinated to hear you go straight to Edwards. There, mm. I run the Jonathan Edwards Twitter feed, and I'm daily reading Edwards. Mm. And you find the striking thing of about Edwards, which several authors have noticed, conspicuously Marsden recognizes that Edwards doesn't see that the world is a, a closed system, and then God kind of comes in on it. Mm. No, no, he recognized the world reflects the personal. God, mm. the Father who loves his Son. And therefore, we see when Jesus prays, he doesn't pray, well, the Lord, sort of keep them in your name. Bye then. No, he, he said, make them one. And, and he, mm. he keeps talking in terms of this oneness, mm. which we now see believers who've met each other once or twice feel like brothers. Mm. Hey, what's that all about? Well, Jesus prayed for that. Mm. And also, you see, he sends them. He yeah. sends them. How does he send them? Like he went. And you find, what was he like? Oh, he's full of grace and truth. Mm. And so not only does he save them and say, right, you just sit there and wait till you die. No, you're going to get involved. 
you're going to get involved in what I'm like, mm. which is awesome. Yeah, and again right. and again in history, we see uh, characters like John Thornton funding, yeah. fun, essentially the evangelical church, you know, right. funding John Newton, or Hon Humphrey Monmouth, funding yeah. Tyndale yeah. and Shaftesbury, just giving away such sums that it, <laughs> it yeah. changes the world. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, outstanding yeah. stuff. I love, I love that pairing of these sort of almost titans of industry, business, the business world, really pairing up with with these godly, you know, giant Christian giants of their time yes. and fueling their ministry yeah. and in a way that it just, you know, it really helps them sort of go into turbo mode and, and yes. you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, changing the world. In in the book, I, I discovered a, st a story in Geraint Fielder's Grace Grit and Gumption book. He talks about the forward movement and these two guys who owned like most of the South Wales coalfields, Davis and, and Corey. And I think it was Corey that had a house near Bridgend called Dufferin House. And I mean, I, I go there, it's National Trust property. I go there with my kids. I had no idea, no idea that this guy was fun, basically single handedly funding the, the, the forward movement, you know, in the early 1900s. All these church plants. Frankincest Joshua, and yeah, and no, you know they don't tell you that there, right. of course. But um, <laughs> but yeah, w again, wonderful to see his heart for caring for for his workers. Um, mm. You know, developing facilities for them, for, for leisure, for their health, but also their spiritual health, and real concern for for planting churches that would minister to, to the miners of, of South Wales. Mm. And I actually grew up in a miners' mission in the Welsh Valleys in Neath, wow. built by Glyn Vivian, no the way. Vivian family. Again, so again, it was a philanthropist who built lots of these little little um, tin huts to, to reach the, the English-speaking coal miners that were coming into Wales at the time. Fascinating. So again and again, we're seeing, it's like Jesus said, a little bit of leaven in the lump, mm. and they're changing the whole dough, these yes. few Christians, yeah. changing things. Outstanding. Yeah. And you also see... It, it has a fruitful, it, as you say, it speaks of the fruitfulness of God, which he, which he gives. And what does he give? Oh, not much, just his son. <laughs> He's generous. He's mm. generous. And he can yeah. just come into that, come into that. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, it's, what a fantastic thing. You've written a resource mm. drawing people's attention to this. Mm. So um, now, of course, we're in London here. We're sitting in a place of walking distance from sites associated with awesome gospel change in the world. We mentioned already Shaftesbury and, and Tyndale. They have history just down the road, mm. or just down the tube, perhaps, which I don't think they use quite so much. <laughs> but um, the, the, we have awesome gospel impact in this town. Who have been people who have uh, mm. inspired you? Yeah, I remember distinctively when I was in university, I think, the f sort of my first degree, getting into Calvin, I had real hunger for the deeper things of God, for, for doctrine, for teaching. I was hungry. Yeah, I remember going to, you know, the Christian Union in, 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 in university, and I'd heard about John Calvin and the Reformers. And so I, I picked up a book, Calvin's Institutes, one one volume version, and uh, I just decided just to read it. It was like Philip Mignon. It was like prime steak. It hit the spot. <laughs> um, just rejoicing every every night reading it, and I just it just felt like I was I was eating great steak. Fed my soul. Mm. Yeah, and that sort of really got me into you know the reformers and then the Puritans. And you just know when you're on a good thing, <laughs> when you've hit gold, 
you fit a gold vein, you know. You just know, like, I need more of this. It's, like, what else can I get into? Um, and, yeah, and so, obviously, you know, the usual characters, Spurgeon. Um, I loved his, just his living out theology and his freedom in Christ. It just felt real, his heart. And then getting into RC, RC Sproul. Mm. Um, particularly when I was with OM on the ship, managed to get my hands on a few books of his and just discovered R.C. Sproul and mm. just a very accessible, mm. great communicator, very rich, but very accessible. That's what struck me about him. And again, yes. it was just, I need more, I need more, give, give me more. So yeah, just really plumbed the depths. And John Piper, when mm. I was on, on, again, I was on the ship, I uh, read his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, and that really helped shape my view of missions. Right. And there are a lot of people on the mission field that are just carrying the world on their shoulders, right. carrying the responsibility of going and saving people mm. and or doing it out of duty. Right. And, and yeah, for me, I became aware that I was really trying to do things in my own strengths, trying to do things out of duty, that this is what a, you know, a missionary should do. And I mean, there are various points on the mission field when you, you really can't, <laughs> you, you really don't have any strength. Yeah, quite. I remember being in Panama in the jungle on a, a week's mission with with a church and, and just, uh, it was just so humid and hot and just flattened. I just didn't have any strength. And yeah, like two hours or whatever it was, I, I had to go and, and preach in, in this open air. And as I thought, I can't do this, you know, I just reached the end of myself. But yeah, Piper's book on, it was really liberating that this, you know, this is the Lord's work. When we preach, we're worshiping, we're just exalting Christ, we're, we're worshiping God. It's not, and so that has suddenly fueled me. I just found strength from, from him, you wow. know, um, from, Seeking just to go and simply lift up the name of Christ mm. and and worship him was very, very freeing and no sort of thought of duty that this is what I should do because I'm a missionary, but actually this is this is what I do because I'm a Christian. This mm. is what I do because I'm in, I'm in Jesus and I love him and I delight in God and I'm just going to go and delight in God openly and I'm going to lift up the Lord's name and the gospel. So that was a big one. The whole, you know, the whole thing of enjoying, enjoying God, enjoying, yeah, yeah. delighting in God yeah. was very freeing. Yes, mission um, exists because worship doesn't. Yes. The, the, the ultimacy of this is about, this is going to be for worship. Yeah. If we don't have that worship at the center, the human heart is so mm. quickly deceptive that we will push God out yeah. of evangelism. <laughs> Just, well, just yes, right. It goes to works, doesn't it? Yes. And and our own efforts, and you know that's what I love about union, about our values is you know delighting in God, growing mm. in Christ. Yes, we're loving God first. We're loving. We're 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 drinking in Jesus. We're drinking in the gospel. We're drinking in His love, mm. and because we love Him, because we worship Him and adore Him, and we delight in Him, we're growing in Christ and. That's how we can bless the world. That's yeah, how we yeah. can serve yeah, yeah. the church and and the lost and bless the world. Amen. And our good works, our, our generosity, whatever we do is fueled by because we love yes. and enjoy Him, isn't it? Yeah, and we must be. We must be. Mm. But there are such wonderful promises. If we are abide in Me, I make you fruitful. It's just it's not mm. fair. 
<laughs> yeah. Is that there's, there's something unfair about grace. What, I have to spend time with you, you know? Oh, yeah, and then I'll make you fruitful as well. It's mm. just outstanding. What a wonderful, yeah, that's a sensational priority, isn't it? Mm. And now we've talked about what you're up to now. You've got mm. the, the book on and the church. Look, Joel, you mm. have, listen, you are a colourful guy <laughs> in terms of... <laughs> I've said, I mean, the My fact background. <laughs> you, you, you're an electric guitar playing nuclear physicist, international sailing, you know, guy. Yeah, yeah. Look, you've seen some things. Mm. What advice would you give to people? I am just struck by how our hearts are so easily deceived and, and swayed. You know, um, Luther said, isn't it, that it's a, it's an idle factory, is it? That's right, isn't it? Calvin, I think. Calvin, sorry. Maybe Augustine. Apologies, sorry, Mike. It was you. I said it as well. Just yeah. Then. Somebody, somebody who was old and died a long time ago said, <laughs> "Yeah, the heart's an idle factory." Whoever it was. Mm. And this is why I need Mike Reeves. He'd he'd know. Um. Yeah, and it's yeah, our hearts so easily swayed and and mm. redirected, and it's it's just we've got to keep going back to. The, the fount of love mm. and, and our life yeah. and, and keep delighting, keep gazing at Christ. Mm. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.